Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. <laughs> Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe, I think. <laughs> oh, boy. We're having fun. Yep. And uh, just had lunch. We did. You're full. I'm full and I'm tired. I've been up since 1 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't fall back asleep. It's That's horrible. That's usually what you do. Entrepreneur's curse, right? I, I'm telling yeah. you. That's I know it. our, our I, brains are always. I know. I knew I had to spend all day with you, and I just I couldn't get through. Couldn't get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Not looking forward to it. All right, but let's let's have. We had lunch. Now it's time for dessert. Let's okay, have some ice cream. Katie Evans, the Frozen <laughs> Farmer, season eleven, episode seventeen, March twenty seventh of twenty twenty. She goes into Shark Tank asking one hundred and twenty five thousand for twenty percent of the business. Now Katie is a former beauty queen from Delaware. And what she noticed was billions of pounds of produce was being wasted. Right. And she turned it into ice cream. Yep. It, uh, no one likes to waste food, uh, but it's turned into ice cream. It's turned into this yummy product that the sharks love. They love the product. Yeah, it was basically misfit fruits and vegetables, and they're creating this ice cream and sorbet from it. Uh, it's all from a family farm. And... Uh, there's not a bunch of ingredients in there. It's just fruit and sugar. So she started in 2015, uh, $1.75 to make a unit, wholesaling for $3. Hand packing it in-house, uh-huh. doing doing all that work. But she came into Shark Tank looking for a co-packer. Yeah. So what happened? Well, uh, she I'll tell you that she got an offer right up front, but Mr. Wonderful was out pretty quickly. Barb was out just as quick. Um, they just they weren't into the ice cream business thing. And then Cupid, Lori and Damon all felt that the space was really, really hard. They all mentioned it's a tough space. It's a hard space, competitive space. But Lori actually offered her a deal. She said, you need a co-packer and you need my expertise. And she offered some help in the form of one hundred twenty five thousand for 30 percent if she landed a major chain such as Kroger or Walmart. There you go. All right. Well, let's get to the interview. It's a great interview. Great interview. Great great entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Let's go check out our interview with Katie. All right. We're here with Katie Evans of The Frozen Farmer. Katie, welcome to Outside the Tank. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are really looking forward to this conversation, and uh, you know it's been a little while since you aired, so certainly uh, look forward to hearing the update and what's progressed since uh, you were on national TV. An interesting timing too, because it was like what a week or two after the world went crazy. Yeah, yes, it was. It was actually the very first week of the pandemic shutdown. Everybody was home the Friday night of our episode air. So how was that different? Was the rating better? Was it worse? Do you think it helped? Do you think it hurt? Uh, You know, I'm curious what your perception of that was. 
Well, as far as ratings go, um, it was certainly better. I, I do believe our episodes set all kinds of record ratings uh, because you know, it was the first week that you know everybody in the U.S. was home. And what else do you do when you're sitting home alone on a Friday night? You watch TV. So um, you know, the world was tuned in and. Um, you know, rating wise, it was phenomenal. Um, but as far as business goes, it, it really hurt us, um, during that time because as you know, grocery stores were going through this kind of unprecedented time of mass confusion and chaos and just trying to keep the shelves stocked. So they weren't looking for new items. And while the buyers may have seen our episode professionally at, at work, they were just trying to keep their head above water. So start at the beginning where, because it didn't get covered too much during the pitch, so I'm, I'm curious of the longer version of this, but when did the light bulb go off for you or you have the epiphany that, wow, there actually may be an opportunity for a business um, inside of what I'm doing here on the farm? Yeah, well, I joined my husband in the family business in 2007, and, um, you know, I was working two jobs at the time. Um, I have a degree in public relations and I was the public relations coordinator for the Delaware Farm Bureau, but running our farm stand on the side and he wanted to get into more grocery stores with our fresh produce. And so I secured a few accounts um, with some of our local grocery chains here in the Northeast. And really the more grocery customers we had, uh, the more food we found that we were wasting because these grocery customers had such high cosmetic standards for produce. And our little farm stand here was the same way. Every customer that, that frequents a roadside stand, they want the produce to look great. And so we found ourselves in this food waste issue, you know, really early on. But, you know, it, it took, you know, us growing the grocery side of our business and really our, our entire operation, you know, did a flip-flop. We started growing our acres primarily for these grocery chains. And when that happened, you know, we had this unprecedented food waste issue and it was just, it got to the point we were like, we, we've got to do something. And did you have any experience with, you know, creating, I mean, what, what experience did you have or did you really have to learn from the scratch in terms of how to, you know, manufacture uh, ice cream and put all this together? I mean, you really started from scratch with all of this, right? Yeah, well, that's really where my mom came in to the family business. Um, you know, she has had had a career long, um, you know, experience in finance and she was working as the director of finance at the local casino, uh, for the last, you know, more than a decade. And she had been homemaking ice cream for, you know, a really long time and, and had become locally famous for her homemade ice cream. And so, we were sitting around the Sunday supper table and really that's where the frozen farmer was born. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the food waste issue we had and the loss and profit that we had and kicking around ideas of what we could do with all of this misfit or ugly fruit, if you will. And, you know, it, it kind of a light bulb went off in our head, like let's make sorbet with it. And, and mom's an incredible ice cream maker as it is, you know, she was you know, a hobby ice cream maker and, you know, but let's go away to school and, and really learn how to make this stuff, learn the art of ice cream making, um, the science behind it. And, you know, she was looking for a change in her life, change of pace. And so she said, hey, I, I think this is something I want to do. I want to join you guys. And 
in trying to help you solve this food waste problem. And it, it worked out for us that, you know, she was kind of the perfect fit to be our business partner. Um, you know, so she handles the financial end of our business, but also um, the production side and creating all of the delicious recipes that we have. And did you approach Shark Tank or try out or did they find you? So we approached Shark Tank. Um, we had been hearing really since day one of opening our doors at the Frozen Farmer that our product line would be perfect for the show. And, and I'll be quite honest with you. I was, you know, a young mom. We had two kids under two at that time and growing a business at the same time we were growing a family. I spent every last waking moment invested in building the Frozen Farmer. So I didn't watch a lot of TV and had never really seen a Shark Tank episode. So every time we kept hearing it, we just blew off, you know, the idea of, of pitching our product because we didn't really even know the concept or premise of the show. And um, the more and more we heard it over and over again, you know, we started watching an episode here or there and, and kind of understanding why people were saying this. And it, and it was because we have a unique product and, you know, the fact that we were taking, you know, upcycled fruit and turning them into a value added product line was unique. And, and so we realized that, you know, our product would be a great fit for the show, but we, you know, we're very early on um, when we started considering it and then Giant Food uh, was our first grocery customer and gave us this incredible opportunity to place our products on their shelf. And we knew, um, you know, that they were allowing us to grow with the chain, uh, but then they came to us and they said, well, we really want this product on every shelf that we have in our entire chain. And we knew what kind of money was associated with that and, and we would need some funding in order to do it. So that's when we really decided to dive into the tank, if you will. And how was the experience for you, you know, being on the show and just everything that transpired from it, positive, in the middle, negative, you know, how, how did it feel for you? You know, I'm the kind of person that if you're going to go for something, you've got to go for it wholeheartedly. So uh, when we decided you know, that we were going to try out for Shark Tank. I really invested myself in the whole process, uh, right down from, you know, watching as many episodes as I could possibly watch, studying, you know, the pitches. Uh, and that was right up until the time that we decided to submit our application. And so um, we found that they were doing an open audition in New York City, which we're just a short drive from New York City where, where we live in Delaware. And I knew if I could get a casting producer to just taste our product and hear our story, we would have a legitimate shot. And I felt like it would be a better shot than just submitting our cold application online because the flavor of our product line is really what is so incredible. It, it tastes so, you know, feel to pint fresh. And really that, that was all it took. Uh, we went to a casting call in New York City the casting producer uh, that I was assigned to, I, I gave him my pitch. He took one spoonful of our orange cream Frobert, tried it, put his spoon down, and he said, that's all I need. Thank you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, either I just blew this or the guy loved it and, and we're in. And um, it turns out that uh, he loved it. You know, it, it, I think they absolutely loved uh, the product, and I think they adored you. Obviously, there were some very interesting question, uh, uh, statements, Katie, by the Sharks. Uh, I, I, you know, I perceived that they felt that the space was too hard 
and that possibly Frozen Farms was a local play, not a national play. How did that uh, feedback and input weigh on you as, as you walked out of the tank? Well, they were absolutely, absolutely right. Um, you know, the space is hard. Uh, it, it's a difficult category to be in. And when you take a product like, like we have and launch it nationally, you're competing with the biggest of the biggest brands, you know, and, you know, you're a small goldfish in a huge ocean. And it's, I mean, that has been very real for us. However, um, Walmart called us not long after our episode aired and gave us an opportunity to place them nationally. Kroger actually beat Walmart to the shelf placement to be first to market, launching our product nationally in every Kroger location nationwide. So overnight, our brand went from, you know, a small family business to this national brand and this national opportunity. And so for us, you know, that that was an incredible opportunity that Shark Tank gave us. And I can't say enough about the experience on the show. Yeah, I, I, I imagine. And obviously, uh, when we look at the show on air, Lori made an offer was dependent upon you guys landing uh, a major chain. Uh, what can you share about the deal? Did it happen? Did it not happen? Yeah, our deal with Lori did happen. Uh, we landed Giant Food as our first national chain. We placed every uh, Giant Food location in the U.S. Uh, really before our episode even aired. But um, obviously, we landed, you know, the two largest chains in the U.S. just after that with, with Kroger and, and Walmart. And, and now it's, you know, really incredible for us to not only be pitching our business to grocery chains, but having them actually call us wanting our product in store. And so um, it, it's been a really awesome year. It's, it's kind of surreal to think that, you know, Nine months ago, we were only in, you know, 160-some stores, and, and now we're in close to 9,000 locations in every state across the U.S. It's just, it's been a wild year. And how are you now manufacturing the product? I, I hope you're still not doing it by hand. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, we had to go to a co-manufacturer, and so that was part of, you know, why we went to Shark Tank to begin with, because... For the initial order for Giant Foods, I mean, in packaging alone, we were looking, you know, at a substantial cost for just packaging, let alone all of the raw ingredients to go into your product. And so, um, you know, we knew that we would have to go to a co-packer. And so we found one just after pitching to Shark Tank before our episode even aired. And then um, we quickly outgrew that co-manufacturer. And now we... Um, our partners with another co-manufacturer that um, has nationwide capacity. And how do people find out about the product? So what I'm really asking is from a marketing standpoint, are you hoping people see the packaging and are intrigued? Are you doing a big digital marketing spend across the country? How are you creating awareness so that people give it a shot throughout the United States? Yeah, we have a fully encompassed um, go-to-market launch strategy in place currently. We're running ads on social media and digital ads on Google, paid search ads by zip code, um, which, you know, we're heavily involved with monitoring. If the product's not performing in a certain area of the country as well as it is in another area, we're shifting ad dollars, you know, to those zip codes instead, heavily targeting them. 
any new retailer that we pick up, we're loading the locations of those stores on our website. All of our ads point customers back to our website so they can find a neighborhood location near them that carries our product line. Uh, we've got an email campaign that we've launched. Uh, we've got a search feature on our website. We've got forms on our website that if we're not in your neighborhood grocery store, you can submit a form for our products to be carried in your store. We're taking those forms to our retailer meeting saying, hey, we've had 3,000 you know, requests for our product in your stores. And, and that's a big, you know, momentum helper in, in helping us get more distribution across the U.S. as well. We're working with influencers. We're working with celebrities. Uh, we've just got a, a fully encompassed marketing program around our product line, around our brand to help us, you know, just gain awareness. For us, that's been the biggest challenge being the small guy on the shelf is, you know, just having people know who the frozen farmer is and what our brand mission is and, you know, what our products taste like. And, you know, once they try it, it's, it's that repeat customer that's, you know, so awesome for us to, to hear the stories of how, how they're now choosing our flavors over their traditional super premium flavors. And they can't taste a difference or, or maybe they even prefer the flavor over, over the heavy calorie, heavy fat products. And I'm curious who buys the product. Is it a concerned parent that wants their kid to have a healthy snack? Is it a fitness person that's looking for a cheat, you know, give us just an idea of some of the different personas of who seems to really love the product based on the feedback you're getting on social media. You know, it's funny because I mean, our customer really is like two to 92. Um, You know, certainly we're hearing from a lot of millennials and Gen Z's who are very concerned with where their food comes from and sustainability initiatives, um, better for you product lines, you know, they're, they're really supportive of our better for you mission. Um, our sugar is actually, our, our sorbet is actually the only no sugar added sorbet in national retail currently. So sorbet by nature is a sugar water based product. Um, so every other sorbet in national retail is, is very full of sugar. Our sorbet only has like four to five grams of sugar in the entire pint. They're only 70 calories per pint. They're dairy-free, they're gluten-free, they're fat-free. We're getting a lot of, you know, allergy-conscious consumers who are choosing our flavors because of, you know, those benefits um, as well. So it's it's been awesome for us to really hear from our customers. We take emails on our website, and I read every single one of them. Um, and it's it's really incredible to hear, you know, who's buying our product, whether they're choosing it because of an allergy reason or whether they're choosing it because they're, you know, a Weight Watcher uh, influencer who, you know, says, oh, my gosh, your pint is only three Weight Watcher points per pint. And we can literally eat the entire pint. You know, we've had an incredible followership from Weight Watchers. And that's one um, partnership that we're looking to expand on in 2022 whether it's somebody who used to choose, you know, a heavy fat, you know, Breyers or Haagen-Dazs chocolate, and now they're choosing our double chocolate cherry because, you know, we popped up on the grocery store and it was a new offering. And they're saying, hey, we'll never go back um, to the super premium stuff because we cannot believe the flavor is, you know, this incredible for only 370 calories in your Frobert pint. And our Frobert is our uh, traditional uh, blend of sorbet and traditional super premium ice cream. So it's kind of our signature product. It's our way for the customer who's not dairy-free to enjoy 
um, a dairy treat that tastes just like super premium ice cream, but without all of the calories and fat inside the pint. How has your life changed over the past couple of years? Because young family, you know, commitments in terms of the farming. Now, how do you spend your days? How do you balance everything? Uh, you know, and again, how, how has your life really, you know, kind of changed over the past two years? Yeah, I'd say the work-life balance is, has definitely become more of a struggle for us. Um, you know, we're, we're very, very fortunate to have an incredible team behind us. Um, at the frozen farmer, at our family farm, and personally, quite honestly, everybody who works in our business, um, if they're not family, they certainly become family very quickly. And so they help us juggle, you know, our children and um, our household duties and, you know, all of the things that come along with, you know, trying to run a business and, and maintain those, you know, everyday chores of life too. We work where we live. So for us, it's, it's really a unique dynamic. It's like there's no real fine line of where work stops and life begins or vice versa. Um, it's all very blended. And, you know, our children are learning, you know, why we're building this business. I mean, we want to carry on our family farm legacy through the frozen farmer. And that's something that, you know, they're becoming, you know, super aware of and, and respectful of. And, you know, they look at the frozen farmer as almost a sibling. You know, I joke all the time that I feel like the frozen farmer is my fourth child because, we had two kids when we started the business. We've had one since growing the frozen farmer. And so um, for us, it's like our watching our kids take as much pride in this business as we do. And they're really quiet when I have conference calls. And they're really excited when we go to a new grocery store that's carrying our product line. And they see it on shelf for the first time in that store. And so it's awesome for us, you know, to see that in our children as well. But, um, you know, the work-life balance can certainly be a juggle without the incredible team that we've, we have behind us, we wouldn't be able to do it at all. You know, your, your entrepreneurial journey starts, I think, with, with Frozen Farmer. So I was wondering about that, that path of what blind spots you recognized in yourself. You're so confident, you're so talented, and obviously you guys are killing it. But what blind spots or areas of weakness did you realize entrepreneurial makeup that you really attacked and, and worked hard to become better at? I think the biggest thing for me is just, um, you know, taking it all on. I'm a yes person, and I'm certainly a person who likes to give 100% of myself to whatever's on my plate at that time. And I've learned through this process that you just can't do it all. You know, there will be opportunities that you just have to let pass you by because you're taking advantage of another opportunity at the time and you have to be fully invested in that one. And you have to be okay with that at the end of the day. Um, you know, and that's not just something that I've learned through business. It's something that I've learned through life as well. Through being a mom, you know, we hold ourselves to like such a high standard as moms and entrepreneurs. I call myself a mompreneur because I mean, really that's, that's what it is. It's, you're one person at the end of the day, and you can only do so much. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day. We have the same 24 hours that everybody else does. For me, it's about prioritization, organization, you know, and staying on task. And sometimes that has to mean saying no to things. And that's been a very difficult thing for me to learn, but it's been a really important part of our success. Yeah, that's something that almost every entrepreneur has to at some point 
uh, learn how to do say no, say no politely, and say no to something good so they can invest their time in something great, right? Exactly. Where do you see this thing going? You know, what's your vision, let's call it, over the next three to five years for the company? You know, if I if I close my eyes, I certainly see the frozen farmer moving into other categories and frozen. Um, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, beyond the pint for our product line. And that's something that we're, we've already been actively working on um, with, you know, a couple of our retail partners. Um, you know, it, it, it's wild to close my eyes and, and think about, you know, three to five years down the road, because right now, I mean, we're taking it day by day and, and just trying to, you know, grow this business in the most strategic, smart way to set it up for long-term success. Now, obviously, there's some big players out there. Have they tried to rip you off, compete with you? Um, does that, is that something that you wake up in the middle of the night worried about? Or do you feel confident that you've carved out a nice space in the market? I mean, at the end of the day, space is space. So everybody's in competition with everyone on the shelf, right? I mean, the freezer's not going to grow, you know. And in fact, in some chains, it's only shrinking. Um, so, you know, everybody has to be very competitive, even if you have a differentiated product. But I do feel as though, you know, what we've carved out is different enough that, you know, we're kind of creating our own space. Our product is filling a hole in the category. We're launching flavors that nobody else has on their shelf. You know, nobody else is doing honeydew sorbet. They might be doing, you know, lemon or, or other very common flavors, but, you know, the flavors that we're launching are data-driven. They're flavors that we're finding holes in the category that they're just not there. So we, I don't look at our product line as in direct competition with any other major competitor on the shelf. But at the end of the day, you're all vying for that same spot. Well, and what I find interesting is no matter what, nobody can compete with your story. And I'd imagine that leaning into that on social media and just continuing to share, you know, your family story and the origins of this company and, and why you do what you do I just think people fall in love with that and they're going to be loyal for as long as you're in business. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, our farm to consumer connection is definitely something, you know, that, that we love to lean into, you know, educating our consumers about agricultural practices, about what we're doing on our family farm to make them feel a part of our family, of our operation, you know, is something that we're definitely you know, doing a lot of on social media. Um, but, you know, I feel like we're in a time right now where consumers want to know where their their products come from, want to know where their food comes from. And for us, that's something that our brand is able to give consumers uh, more than anybody else and, and give them really that farm to consumer connection and making them feel a part of, you know, the production side of, of food. Because that's something that, you know, so many brands, um, you know, share so little about. And it's something that we as consumers are very uneducated about. In fact, one of the things that I used to do with the Farm Farm Bureau when I worked there as well as, you know, we did a farm to school program. And I would go into schools and I'd ask children, you know, where does milk come from? And they'd say the grocery store. You know, well, no, it came from a farm. It came from a family. You know, it, it came from a cow. And 
let me show you and tell you, you know, how it got to your grocery store. And there's just so much more behind food production, you know, that the consumer is unaware of or what they are aware of may be misinformed. And so for me as a woman in agriculture, it's, it's an exciting platform to tell our consumers about about our ag practices, about our family farm operation, and really just cultivate that farm-to-table connection for them and, and give them that ag education behind our program as well. You know, we've done close to 70 of these interviews now, and, you know, I'm, I'm racking my brain to think if anyone has made so much progress in a 18-month window, and, and I look at it two ways. I, you know, what you've done with the business, you know, a handful of stores to 9,000, I mean, this happened pretty darn quickly. And then I think, you know, we watched your pitch before before the interview, and you just come across as so much more confident and competent of the business. And it's like you've grown up so much as well. So in both those areas, you're just killing it. And And my question is, you know, what do you attribute that to? Are there books you've read? Are there people in your life? Where where did you so quickly just grow as an entrepreneur? Because um, it's it's really unbelievable. So I'm curious what you attribute that to. Well, I mean, first first of all, thank you for that lovely compliment. Um, you know, I think when you get presented with the kind of opportunities that, that we've had this year and, and a lot of that thanks is to Shark Tank and to Lori and the show, um, you know, for me, what I attribute a lot of, you know, my growth to is, is my husband, Kevin. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he, he's grown three successful businesses. He runs our farm operation. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's kind of, you know, my first advisor, I, I, I sit at the end of the night and give him a recap of our day and we grow, go over strategic, um, you know, things of, of what needs to happen the next day or the next week to make everything, you know, happen and, and pull it all off. And, you know, I just really look up to him as my mentor, um, not just in business, but in life. And, you know, so I've, I've got a great partner in life and, and that gives me a lot of confidence um, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you know, but, when you get presented the kind of opportunities that we've gotten presented, you, you have to, you know, grow up really fast and, and react, you know, the right way and, and handle it all. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's just been an incredible experience for us. And, you know, the confidence comes from knowing my business better than anybody else. And, and, you know, being strategic in every move and making sure that, you know, it's well thought through, you know, even store placements, it might not make the right move to go into every single grocery chain in the U S. So, you know, you have these opportunities, you have to figure out which ones are right for your business, which ones are right for, you know, your budget. And, um, you know, for that, it's been a really big learning process. And, and I joke that, you know, every day I feel like, I'm in kindergarten. And while I'd love to say I've, I've spent this year reading books and I've not had a lot of time to do that, um, you know, but it's, it's been one of those things that I go to work and I learn things every day. You know, we've got some really great advisors behind us. You know, we've got some really great consultants that, that we work with and just trying to be really smart about every business move that we make has, has helped me gain confidence day in and day out of this past year. 
Well, last question for you. You know, you mentioned your website and having some search functionality there, but if someone wants to give the product a try or maybe see where they can get it as close to home as possible, where should they go? And then I'm sure you do some pretty cool stuff on social media. So how can um, people follow along with your journey and your company's journey? Yeah, certainly. So um, they can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, our handle is at the frozen farmer, all one word. And definitely follow along with us on, on social media because we're doing some really exciting things coming up with, with a handful of celebrities and influencers and retail chains. Um, I, I just, I can't wait for 2022. I kind of get giddy inside knowing everything that we're planning. And um, social media is definitely one way we're going to be able to share that with all of our, our followers. Um, but to find our products in store, our customers can go to our website, which is www.thefrozenfarmer.com. We have um, a link on there. It says find a store and you can key in your zip code and it'll give you a store near you. And if for some reason we're not in a location near you, you can order our flavors uh, online and have them shipped directly to your doorstep. We're also on Instacart. Um, so that's one another way that, that has been really awesome for us to get our products to customers. Awesome. Well, we so appreciate you making the time. We know how busy you are personally and professionally. So thank you. Some great uh, lessons that uh, the entrepreneurs out here listening to are really going to enjoy. And just so happy to hear of your continued success and all the progress since you aired. And uh, we look forward to continuing watching your journey um, as you continue to grow this thing. So and I, I, look, so I look forward to eating some honeydew-flavored ice cream. That's <laughs> one flavor I've never had, so a great differentiator, but also a great opportunity for me to jump into new, a new flavor and a new brand. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have a, a whole new line launching in 2022 of flavors as well. So we, uh, we have eight flavors on shelf nationally currently, and by 2022, we'll have uh, 14. So we're really excited to share a whole handful of new flavors. Wow. Well, that's, that's great. Can't wait to try it. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, we're good. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, our pleasure. That was fun. Yeah, we'll send you an email um, prior to uh, airing so that you okay. know share it on social media. And if you need anything, you let us know. You know, we've, we've done about 70 of these so far. So if there's anyone we can connect you to or, you know, we're certainly happy to do so. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and uh, so happy to hear you're killing it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, it's good to know, too, that you, um, you know, have – have direct connections to other Shark Tank entrepreneurs because one thing that we started when uh, we went to the show was we created like a private social media page for everybody that we met while we pitched. And so it's, it's been awesome to kind of cultivate those friendships and connections and learn from each other's businesses as well. Yeah. Well, keep doing what you're doing and uh, we'll let you know when we're going to air. And we so appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Katie. All right, we're back. That was a fun interview. Great interview. Great lady. Uh, beauty queen. Beautiful inside now. Beautiful approach to 
the entrepreneurial space that she's in. Just a great interview. Great. So business. what did we learn? I learned a lot. I have three things. Post okay. game. Post game is is my favorite. So I love nuggets. I love takeaways. I love writing stuff down. I wrote three things down that that I took away from our interview. And first and foremost, she is an all in type person. A hundred and 10% in, 120% in, and we love that, and you can really feel it. You can feel how focused she is and how into it she is, and you have to be. Yep. You have no choice, so that's number one. Number two, she said you can't do it all, and you have to be able to take a pass on certain things. You can't do it all, you, you, you can't do it all personally or in business. In your personal life, if you're an entrepreneur, personally you have to say no, you have to create space. I talk a lot about creating space when I work with people individually, space to think. In fact, I mentioned that to you this morning. It's six o'clock this morning. You're gonna laugh, but I got in here at six. He was already here. And I said, you know, I just, in, in my own words, I said, I need a little space to think about our strategies, what we need to work on between now and the end of the year in our business, our Growth 10 business. And so space, you have to say no to something good so you can make room for something great. And she understands that. And the last thing that I took away that uh, I know this young lady does in her business is she surrounds herself with great people. She surrounds herself with A players. I always find these interesting because you you wrote down three things I didn't write down. I wrote down some different <laughs> stuff. No, we hear we hear different things. Yeah. I think it's fun to rehash these and talk about them. Um, you know, her business is built around waste. You know, in this case, it was food waste, but um, I think recently, Joe, you and I have had some conversations with different entrepreneurs in our community about things that maybe they thought were waste in their business, whether it was um, people that indicated an interest in their product but didn't move forward or C&D clients in a business. And so sometimes we think that waste is waste, but there actually is treasure in waste if you consider other ways to use that product or that person or whatever it is. Yeah. So just because someone doesn't do what you primarily wanted them to do in your business doesn't mean there aren't other opportunities. Yeah, rather than throw that person in a trash can, is there a proverbial another seat on the bus for them? Yep, yep. Uh, don't underestimate mom. Uh, her mom <laughs> helped her a lot. My mom helps me a lot too in my business and uh, love moms. Yep, moms uh, are special. Your mom is a very special person. She sure is. Great marketing strategy because she uses a lot of different stuff. She has influencers. She does pay digital. So she's a big marketer and she's always trying different things. You never know what's going to work. And just because something doesn't is working doesn't mean it's going to continue to. So, oh, we're killing it on paid digital. Great. Don't assume that that's going to work tomorrow. Yeah, things change. Or, yeah, don't assume that the ads that are working today aren't going to work. Or maybe influencer marketing works great for you, but it won't always. You know, so you got to constantly be learning about marketing and trying different things. Um, I just was blown away by what a strong transformation she made as an entrepreneur from the time the show aired yeah. to who we talked to in the interview. We kind of talked to a different person, and that should be the case. We should all be looking to get better every day in some small way. But she she really, really grew in her knowledge of owning, operating, being an operator uh, of a business. Just very impressive. Yeah, I learned also from her the importance of leaning into your story. And, you know, she made a great point. None of these, you know, big players in this space, they can't compete with me. 
because they can't compete with my story. My story is what <laughs> makes me unique. Yeah. And that's so true. So don't, you know, lean into your brand, embrace your brand, and your brand can often give you a competitive advantage. Um, you have to grow up really fast. I mean, that's just such a great point of entrepreneurs. You yeah. got to get smart fast. You got to grow up fast. You got to learn fast. You got to get tough. And the last one's a fine line, but it was a quote I wrote down from her. I know my business better than anyone else. And this can be really good or really bad. Um, you know, sometimes we work with entrepreneurs that just listen to everyone. Mm -hmm. And they don't ever just trust their gut and know their own business. We know other people that are so enamored by their own feelings that they can't embrace advice from others. They fall in love with all of their ideas. Yeah, and so you gotta catch this fine line where it's like, okay, look, I, I know my business better than anyone. I have to trust my gut, but I also have to be receptive to other people's information. But just because someone says you should do this or if you thought about that does not mean that you should necessarily do it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of lessons here. Well, I just, I really enjoy the interview. Um, we wrote a book. It's called Entrepreneurial Landmines. It's available. If you want to make Jeff Bezos rich, go to Amazon and buy it. If you want it for free, we'll give you an Audible and a Kindle version. Go to OutsideTheTank.com, put in your name, your email address. I don't know, maybe don't even put in your name. Just put in your email address and we'll send it to you. We'll send you the Audible and Kindle version. It's a great book. We've got a, we've had a lot of great input and feedback on, on the lessons in that book. Entrepreneurial Landmine. So that's our gift to you. And we do a lot of great work at Growth10. Uh, if you ever want to look us up, Joe at Growth10.com, Tom at Growth10.com, the number 10. We just love talking to entrepreneurs. We do. And if you don't subscribe to this, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, go back in the archives. We have so many great interviews, over 40 of them now. Uh, they're in there. So make sure to catch up if you're new to the show. But as always, we'll see you next Tuesday on an all new episode of, of Outside, Outside of the, the Tank. Tank.